Bem-vindos ao Polyglot Talks, a coisa mais estável ou a coisa mais consistente que temos nas nossas vidas, ou que estamos fazendo mais consistentemente nas nossas vidas nesse momento, com Catarina e Fábio. You forgot the overthinking, girl. That's the, the second most consistent thing I do in my life. It's overthink stuff and create all possible scenarios in a multiverse of situations. And that's about it. Okay, so what are we talking about today, Fabi? Uh, I overthought it so hard that uh, I So we are talking about... Right. We are talking about my least favorite thing to do at the moment, which is writing cries in Portuguese, because I don't like to write. And the last thing I wrote was um, I was writing tons of text in Portuguese. Uh, and that was the last thing I've done. And uh, for homework, this was about um, six to eight months ago. I was also assigned to write some short, shorter um, bits, like essays in Russian. Uh, and then I haven't done it since. So we are talking about writing, learning through writing. So I know that you have a lot more to say uh, on this topic than I do. So I'll go ahead and drop the mic and hand it off to you. I got the mic, girl. Yeah, I have to say, I hated writing until it was actually something that I figured it was helpful. I don't know when that happened, actually. Um, so I have to say my memory sucks, which is the truth. And uh, writing stuff helps me memorizing it. I would say that writing them into sentences helped me memorize it. Uh, there are a few things that I've been applying into my language journey that have been very helpful. Uh, and I'm going to go around a few things bit by bit. And I would start with journaling. Uh, so I started journaling in Portuguese because, well, emotional damage, but that's another story. Uh, and then I decided to actually use that to gather vocabulary for my day-to-day -day life. And what do I mean by this? So when we journal, we journal about our daily lives, about our own thing. And we end up getting vocabulary that applies to us specifically as individuals and things that are actually useful for us. So when we talk about this, it's important because, first of all, you will understand what is the vocabulary gaps that you have. Second of all, it will make you think about how to put the language, uh, how to actually write the language. And this is then where everything hurts. I have to say it hurts because it's when you start to figure out if you actually understood what you've studied or not, where all the questions start coming up. But at the same time is where you actually then have the chance to improve your language. Because for you to be able to do this, you need to grasp the essentials of the language. And that's when then all of what we've spoken already before comes in place. So journaling allows you to do this uh, somehow. And uh, it's active learning. It is. It hurts. Uh, I don't do it daily as I should, but I do it at least three times a week. Uh, I give myself, I allow myself to have some breaks so that I also then don't demotivate myself. And I, is this a word? I don't know if this is a word. I'm motivated. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, motivated. I'm too tired at this point. I'm too sleepy at this point to do this. But yeah, but that's the thing. So 
that's my thoughts on journaling. Um, Lovely. What do you think? I, I love that because especially the point that you bring out about having to use day-to-day or daily vocabulary because you need to get those thoughts out in paper. I've come across some students who were beginners learning English. And when we sit down, you know, for their first, you know, let's get to know each other thing. And I asked them, uh, about why they want to learn and what specifically they are hoping to achieve after taking some classes, a common thing that people say is like, I want to learn English, but I don't know how, what, like, what should I learn? Um, and I think the this activity, when journaling, you're literally reflecting on your day, you're talking to yourself, And a lot of that day-to-day vocabulary, because people want to learn English to speak about their day-to-day stuff to family members, close friends, whatever, those things that you're journaling, that can help you. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think it's a a really nice way to tie it all in together. So I do agree with that. I think it's nice. If you don't know what to learn, where to learn, we'll start with your own day. If you can't get if you can't get past that, then you know what to focus on. You know what to, you will discover what you need to focus on, what kind of vocabulary you need to learn, what kind of grammar points you need to learn to express yourself. Because if you can't talk about yourself, you're not gonna, you know, that's the first thing as a language learner that I feel like we should learn to speak about, in my opinion. And after mm-hmm. we start expanding our words and expanding our world and start talking about he said, she said, blah, blah, blah. But first we want to talk about ourselves. Kind of selfish, it sounds, but that's the way I approach language learning. Well, yes. And on the other side as well, when we look at it, when we talk to people, and this goes a little bit more onto the psychological aspect of it, when we talk to people, um, we tend to connect over interests that we have. And it's actually pretty nice if we can talk about our own interests and connect with the right people. And once you connect with the right people, you end up talking about the same things over and over and over again, even though it might be in a different language, but you still have it. So it's as you say, uh, it's something that it's selfish, but it's not selfish. I wouldn't say that. Though, then with your daily life, you start getting new words, new things. Something else that my students find it really helpful, I don't personally because I don't do it and then I'm not consistent enough with it. It's vocabulary lists, uh, flashcards, stuff like that. Yeah. It hurts me because (laughs) I look at it and I become overwhelmed. I'm like, oh, this is too much for me to know. No, I don't want this. Um, But Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. sorry it reminds me of school of I'm thinking about like our our advanced English classes where they would pull out these packets of work and it was like a packet of like 20 plus vocabulary words and you had to write three to five sentences each and then it was like we were learning like Shakespeare vocabulary and all that stuff that didn't make no sense Mm -hmm. no nothing from (laughs) but yeah yeah a little traumatizing I had that with Portuguese as well. And I'll be like, I know all of this. And the thing they used to do with us, it's the, 
words that are very similar, but they then in meaning they're very different and we would have to write them in different contexts so that contexts so we wouldn't know what we were referring to. Girl, that thing hurt my brain because I would be like, I know what I'm writing about. This is a waste of my time. If there is something that I hate more in my life, then they thought mm, it's wasting time. And that entire exercise was a waste of my precious time. But yeah, vocabulary lists, people actually use it. And they use it with, for instance, Quizlet. I mm. tried it. It tried failed it. me. I have a vocabulary list of around 200 and something words in Hindi. How many of those do I know? Zero. All of the words that I've learned are not there. And for me, it didn't work. First of all, it didn't. It's like shoving a bunch of stuff into my brain and my brain doesn't like it. So I'm not forcing him to do anything. Now, yeah, I agree. I've heard of like, um, oh, there's one that was highly recommended by uh, other people learning languages and it was Enki. And I was like, hey, if it's recommended, let me try. Because I like to try new stuff. Mm -hmm. I did try it. I think I, I like really forced myself to do it. And I tried to get a little creative. Like I would put one word in the target language and then on the backside, I would put a picture of the definition. So I would never write the definition. I just put an image. And it kind of, sort of worked, but not really. And I don't really use it anymore. So yeah, not a fan of vocab lists either. I tried it. It didn't work. I started understanding that for me, what works, it's a little bit different. Also on the visual side. Um, and oh, I, I remembered something. Uh, it would be so amazing if we could do a lesson on types of learning. But when I say types of learning is on the types of... The different ways people learn, which is the kinesthetic, uh, auditive, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, auditive and uh, visual type of learning. And that's actually pretty important. But that's for the nerdy, sciencey stuff that we're doing in the future. Uh, getting back to the topic. Uh, so I'm a visual learner, learner right? Uh, and uh, I remember it, it would be so, like, all of my high school, all of my school, notebooks would be filled with doodles and oh. I was always that kid that never wrote stuff down I would make lists I would make like schemes I would do formulas for stuff and up to now adulthood oh no I'm an adult okay so now in adulthood I do exactly the same thing and that's how I teach languages to my students through schemes and formulas and so far, so good. People actually like it and they feel like they actually learned something. It's a little bit more consistent, secure, um, and it's foolproof. Honestly, if people are afraid of getting, getting it wrong, you won't. Now, schemes. How would I define this? Mind maps. But then people... I have some people looking at me being like, Katarina, how does that actually work? Okay, wait, no more. Uh, how do I do this? So imagine that we have a concept of, um, and this will get a little bit too linguistic now, but let's picture that we have prepositions. Uh, we can group those prepositions and we can do something on the sides of on, and then put an example in front of it, in, Put an example in front of it. 
but then create like this visual representation that has these branches and that at the same time, because something that I feel this does for me is it's minimal, it's clean, and you can see a straightforward connection. And it's not too much information. When I look at a text, I give up just when I look at it. For me, it's too much information. I feel overwhelmed. And I feel like somehow I need to put effort to understand what's written there. Whereas a scheme, most often you don't need to put that much effort into. But let's bear in mind, we're different people. Okay. Something that works for me, I'm a very, I have a creative dash sciencey math brain. And I know which is contradictory, but it is what it is. And I have other people that actually want to do everything bit by bit so that they don't miss anything. So again, use this as a guide, not as a rule. We are all different. And this is important for us to have in mind. Um, yeah, so that's that's a, a little bit of also what works for me. Um, Another thing that I've been finding helpful and a lot of my students ask me to do is scripts. There are people who actually, and I do that for me somehow, but like smaller things, but there are people who actually want to have sentences and lines as if they were representing in real life. And that works for them somehow. Like an uh, actor. Okay. Hmm? Like an actor. Yes, that's it. I think that gives a little bit of a secure mindset to them. Some sort of, I'm in control of the situation so nothing can go wrong. If this works for you, just go ahead and do it. And another thing is with these scripts, I would always advise you to check, like have a check by a native speaker. A few Go. We had uh, the Munjabane that I've, I haven't forgotten about that, which Munjabane. is amazing. Munjabane, and um, we got a check. We got a check by a native person after we did the podcast, and he was like, "This is not how you say it in real life. This is how you say it textbook. In real life, it's different." So again, see, get it checked for from get it checked by someone who speaks the language natively. And you will be surprised on how things might change from the textbook translator type of vibe. Okay, so that's one of the, another one of, of the options that I found can help with writing. Yes, absolutely. And also if you, if you do like a little journaling exercise, get it, get your journal checked by a native. Mm -hmm. 100% recommended it'll help you so much I used to do that with Japanese many many years ago and I felt like my Japanese improved so much mm -hmm. okay yeah um I don't know if you ever heard of transcribing songs Fabi like um people learning the language it actually helps also the hearing have you ever heard of it or ever ever done that before to yeah. learning language how did that work for you uh have I done it I'm trying to remember if I have I don't think I have <laughs> my mom told me she used to listen to the Beatles songs and transcribe what they were saying in English <laughs> but have I done it um have I listened to a song and tried to transcribe I don't think so I think 
to <laughs> I don't think I have. I'm trying to remember right now. Um, something that I did with Romanian. This is which is like purely listening to the songs, and I would look up the lyrics and read them. And at one point in my life, I tried to see, hey, what if I just like wrote it all out to to learn how to pronounce it? I think I did it with the intent of learning pronunciation. Um, because I've never studied Romanian pronunciation and I was kind of going off like a Italian slash Portuguese rules. But then when I looked at the lyrics and heard the songs, I was like, no, they have completely different rules because the C, like the S with the little thingy at the bottom is pronounced totally different in Romanian. Um, so I did that one, like once or twice. So I can't really comment too much on it because the reason I stopped doing it wasn't because I didn't like it. I stopped because I stopped having time for it. But I think mm. if I had more time, I would go back and, and see it. It was something that I liked. I thought it was super interesting. Writing, looking up the lyrics, reading, listening, and writing them out with the thought of learning how to pronounce them. Mm. I have to say, it's a lot of investment in terms of time, but that's yeah, how I actually, it is. <laughs> yep. That's how I perfected my English. Let's put it like that. So, um, I remember being a kid and being in vacation with my, oh, at the time I had the MP4. And uh, having the songs, uh, listening to the songs in English and use that as a dictation and then writing them onto my little note. I still have that notebook, which is amazing. I was looking at it the other day and I thought, oh, I should do this again because I actually I, I do that a lot. Uh, I, I do listen to a lot of music in my target languages and I thought like, I didn't do it with the intent of knowing how to pronounce it. I did it with the intent of understanding what is being said. So listening, my listening skills, being able to recognize the words when they are said within a sentence. And what I would do would be, I would listen to the song, I would transcribe the song, and then after then, I would go to the lyrics to see if I wrote everything properly. And then I would mark it. And I remember that at that time, I wasn't even aware that that was helping me learn because my ultimate goal was just to transcribe the songs so that I could sing them and know them by heart. And somehow that helped me memorizing uh, the vocabulary as well. Uh, and that's on how I actually learned English, which is interesting. Um, and it was kind of a hobby of mine. And yeah, that, that's how I've learned it. I haven't done that because I don't know why. I would say somehow it's the lack of time as well and the effort that I no longer have the patience to do it. But I should. I think that if I started doing that with Korean and Hindi, I would take these languages to the, my next level. And the goal is getting to be one. So getting to be one would be actually amazing. Well, this might be for another topic, but I feel like songs, music, and transcribing, that generally tends to be a thing that is very, very enjoyable uh, for teenagers or like that that age. Because um, even when I was learning Korean, I, the lyrics part, I really enjoyed it when I was a lot younger. And I would, I guess I had more attention, like my attention was more focused on that versus now, like if I try to do it, I feel like I wouldn't have the patience for it anymore because I'm old. Um, 
but I don't know. Again, it's just personal preferences. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, on this topic, I think you have more experience than I do because every time I try to text people as language exchange, it goes wrong. So I can't talk too much. I've tried to do it. Uh, no, it ends up not working for my, it helps on their side because they end up talking in English, not on my side because I end up not talking in my, my target languages. I just then speak in English for them. But how has that been going for you? Oh yeah, I, you know, in, in Telegram, if you make um, a chat with yourself, you can text yourself, just FYI. Sometimes I put, some phrases and I talk to myself in Russian um but yeah I, yeah no <laughs> no that's too depressing <laughs> for me sorry I'm a social butterfly I'm an extroverted person no I already talk to myself in real life I don't need that in my digital life you can uh you can schedule messages to yourself and read and like text yourself that way it's kind of funny no okay it's just something that whatsapp does not have uh but yeah I it's a lot safer I would say especially when you're first learning if, if when you're first starting out um with a language it's a lot easier to learn by texting than by speaking So in order to get, for example, the Russian grammar, it was such a struggle to, to speak because of the grammar. I was like, ah, just super embarrassing to speak. But texting was easier. So I like that. Mm, okay. And yeah. Especially if you're shy, like if you're shy about your pronunciation, which I, I always am when forever, um, then I like texting. Well, no, I can't. I don't feel like, well, depends on the situation, but as a beginner, on my case, I don't feel like I can learn that well by texting simply because it will take the person, like it will take me two hours to get back to the person. And <laughs> I hate when people take too long to get back to me. And I hate when I take too long to get back to people. If I'm taking too long, it's either something that doesn't have a possible answer or I forgot to text back or black. I'm always with my phone on my side in case of something happening or a student canceling or something like that. So when I get texts, I get back to them. When I'm trying to actually learn a language and text someone in my native tongue, in my native tongue, in my learning tongue, I'm just like, I don't have the patience to put in 30 minutes of effort to write a sentence. I get frustrated and that's not the good thing. So I do acknowledge that then after, once you reach a A2, A1, A2 level, yeah. it is good. It is good and it makes sense and it actually works. Other than that, for me, in my case, it's not my favorite thing to do. Not at A0, <laughs> at A1 or A2. Yeah, uh -uh. It, it helps me get from A1, like solid A1 through B1 in Russian. So I, I love it because I, if I write to myself, like for example, um, journaling, I don't think I've ever journaled in Russian besides having to do it for homework because I cannot keep myself accountable for journaling. <laughs> Therefore, I need to talk to somebody to get 
thoughts out there. Otherwise, I'm not going to do it for myself. Well, um, yeah, that's how that's how I it's the motivation part. That's what I've noticed. Um, for example, with uh, Portuguese, there was a time where I was working with a startup and I would write blog like entire blog posts in Portuguese checked by a native speaker, mind you, <laughs> because it had to be done. And if I were doing it on my own to practice, I would have never done that. But because I had to write the blog for people to read or for someone to check for for others, if I do it for others, I can be accountable for it versus if I journal for myself, it's never going to happen because I nope. <laughs> so I think that's where where the difference is. It's like I'm extrinsically motivated to do something. Therefore, texting works or blog writing for other people works, but journaling doesn't in my case. Mm -hmm. um, so that's yeah that's an interesting detail there that reminds the, that reminds me of the audios we start sending each other and then never did any more after twice two two sendings like was worth the try that time when Wait, I, I i sent i sent the last one <laughs> true it took that's me five right. minutes to read something in hindi and i was just <sighs> no i'm not sending something that in korean took in Korean, it took me two minutes to read it. And then in Hindi, it was like five minutes. And I'm like, well, I should practice more my Hindi. This is too, I need to think too much to read this. But, well. Hey, that's a good point. If you're struggling too much to do something, then we know where to practice. Oh, yeah. If it hurts, you need to go there. If it hurts, it, yeah, I was trying to make a rhyme out of it. I can't seem to have something coming into my brain right now. So let's brain check on this one. I'll remember by the end of the podcast. But anyway, so, mm, yeah, I would say that the, the, one of the last things that I would have to say about this is writing prompts as we used to have them for essays. But I think that's boring. And again, it will go in line with journaling. Like, why would you have a prompt unless it's related to something that you like? And if it's related to something that you like, it will be something that it's an active part of your life. And so you will end up journaling about it. Just saying. So, yeah. But other than that, writing essays for me, it's like, mm -mm, no, doesn't, doesn't worry that much. For I would assume for someone who is pursuing this in an academic level and not a hobby, yes, please do go ahead. Uh, mm -hmm. It really helps. Or for work. Or for practice. work. You need to practice your writing. Please go do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. For day to day, for accountability, for learning purposes at this point as a hobby, as a speaking, I wouldn't say this makes much difference. It ain't gonna happen. <laughs> uh, yeah. So mm -hmm. uh, I would say that, but then all of this situation, all of what I spoken so far takes us to a question. What question? Typing versus handwriting. What do you feel has been helping you more, Fabi? I know oh. my answer. I'm a texter and I type a lot more than I handwrite. I haven't handwritten since like 2015. 
<laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, when I was first learning Russian, like A0, Mm-hmm. get to a1 i would write my lessons out to practice the alphabet so whenever i need to practice the alphabet for a new language so back in the day when i was learning the korean alphabet i would have to handwrite it out for russian when i first learned the alphabet i handwrite and i hand wrote it out nowadays no <laughs> like i'm at b1 i don't handwrite no more so depends where i'm at if I'm learning new alphabet, handwriting is the way to go. Once I break away, um, then I just do typing. I just type. Nice. Yeah, so, well, um, I have two things happening at this point in my life. So about typing, I do type, but when it comes to Korean, slash Japanese slash Hindi I need a new keyboard and that makes me need to memorize the characters places which makes my life (laughs) I was just complaining about that right now let me clarify that I don't type on the computer I only use my keyboard on my phone because it's the only place where I have all these like all these international keyboards let's clarify that Okay, yeah, no, I'm I'm overcomplicating life. So I have it on my iPad, my phone, and my laptop. I have it everywhere. And on my laptop, I got to this point where I bought some stickers and I printed the alphabet. Korean stickers. But wait, but wait. It's not just there is more. It's Japanese and it's Hindi, so that I can completely confuse my brain. I got to a point where my eyes were looking at the keyboard and they were like, what is this? Why do we have more than one letter in a key? What? Yeah, I, I, I doubted myself writing and I still have some problems where I feel like, what am I typing here? But I do have to say this. There was a time in my life a few months ago where I actually could write both keyboards out of memory but then I got lazy and I stopped doing it so my memory betrayed me and I no longer knew how to write Korean in my keyboard that has the Latin alphabet and yeah I decided to put the stickers to make my life easier though and now I'm curious and I think we need like a minute like this episode should have like one minute of a, a visual like video section because I'm always curious as to how keyboards look in other countries and so I only know two keyboards I know the English keyboard and I know the Spanish keyboard because the Spanish keyboard has a random inye in here which mine doesn't um but yeah I'm, I'm wondering how the Korean keyboard looks like I actually have no idea how it looks like I'm going to send you a, te- a, a photo of this right now. So if you're curious about it, um, it is pretty much different. So I don't have, I don't have the numbers. I don't have the, um, the uh, punctuation marks, points, whatever you want to call them, because it was too confusing for me and I had to change all of the things. But fun fact, Korean keyboards, though, then please, people, tell me if I'm wrong on this. But um, I believe that from my 
from what I've seen in shows and so on, Korean keyboards are exactly the same way mine is, which is with the international keyboard and their own keyboard. And sometimes Korean people go level up and they only use the international one and then memorize the keys on their laptop. Nice. Okay, yeah. Um, our keyboards are different. That's really cool. So, yes, that's on how I would do it. But I have to say, I, I prefer to handwrite stuff rather than typing stuff. But then, and plot twist, I handwrite stuff digitally. Ah. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. So, yeah. Um, insert sound effect here but because i'm lazy in my editing skills i won't so just bear with us here enjoy our uh, vocal abilities uh so what i simply do is i take my silo and i use it to write my notes it could either be on my table that i use for graphic design or then my apple pencil something like that and i just write uh, and then I transform the writing into a PDF and it goes to my laptop. So that's how I've been doing stuff. Okay, because, you know, I go around a lot. I just go around a lot. I'm always going different places and I don't want to lose my notes and I don't want to be carrying books around. So it makes my life easier. But I feel like I need to actually... And I do what I preach, which is I everything that I've learned in languages is with schemes. So I need to put stuff down. I need to handwrite stuff. And yeah, I do that digitally. So everything that I put on my notes, it's either a scheme and it's, it's a scheme and handwritten. Of course, some things will be typed, but not all of it. Also because of the scripts, as I already explained. But I do feel like I understand things better if I write them uh, and write them rather than if I don't. Uh, but in languages, because then if I'm talking about a creative side of things, uh, such as in any sort of visual concept, I actually need paper or, which is a long life dream, I want a whiteboard, the ones that rotate. Yeah, so that I, can, that I, I want something like that, which is bigger than my living room, but I don't care. I want that. Yeah. And I, I found out that there is this electrostatic paper that you can buy on Amazon. And then you can just put it into the wall and it becomes a whiteboard. And I fell in love and I'm like, oh, take my money. <laughs> take my money. Yes. That sounds really nice. Actually, I would I would totally invest into that if I had the ability to. That would be great. You I know what? Know. For this episode, people who are interested, please submit your handwritings of your foreign language. I, I love it. Okay. I had a friend who shared um her notebook she's also learning Korean and she shared what she was writing I thought it was it's the coolest thing I don't know why when people share their handwriting I love to see it so share it <laughs> I'd love to see it I think it's so amazing I, I yeah it's the same thing I had a friend he's Korean he 
he sent me all of his notes and I was looking at that and I'm like, oh, that's so different from real life typing. Right. My true. I had Ooh. some people writing um when I went there, they wrote some notes and I was like, yo, I can't read this and <laughs> like so illegible. But I love I love it. You know what else I love when people uh, write in English? Because here's the thing, in American schools, a lot of people have issues writing in cursive, okay? I did not have issues because I went to primary school in Peru and I was I learned cursive before. But when I came here, people had issues with cursive. <laughs> and uh, a lot of us, as we grow up, are taught to only write in print because it's more legible. But I feel like people from abroad write more in cursive for some reason, at least in my generation. Um, so it's always really cool for me to see people's handwriting. Same. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I've, I've learned how to write in cursive. Then I gave up on life and I started elephanting and using big letters and rounded letters. And then I went to an artistic phase where I tried to create a script with a font, something. And now I'm just lazy mixing everything together. But yeah. one thing that I'm always curious is, and I've seen that with my indie dash Korean dash Portuguese handwriting alphabet. Your font has personality. Like Yes, it does. It's psychology. Like Wait, no, no, that's not what I meant. It is, but not what I meant. Like, yes, when you look at my Portuguese handwriting and you look at Korean handwriting and you look at my Hindi handwriting, even though this, like, the, the alphabet is different, but the shapes are all the same. <laughs> I love it. They are rounded. They somehow are abstract rounded. Sometimes I have some of my students, when I start writing on the whiteboard, <laughs> they because I handwrite my notes to my students on all of the presentations that I have, even on the whiteboard, I, I tend to do that quite often. They're like, uh, so yeah, it's pretty, but what what's the letter that it's there? Is that an E or an R? What is that? Is that an A or an O? Uh, and that's how I then eventually found out that I had to improve my writing um, because they don't understand what I'm writing. But it's actually something that, I do love that, looking at how the different scripts actually uh, don't change from your handwriting personality. It's kind of like, what? Oh, that reminds me, I was getting feedback on my Russian handwriting once, and someone told me, like, it looks nice or it looks cute but it looks like a third grader wrote this and then the year after they're like you know it improved now it looks like a fifth grader wrote this uh, I love that and with that I think we should um get close to closing off this episode I think it's been a really it was actually a lot more fun than I thought it would be because like I said writing not my forte but when we get into handwriting ooh, interesting nuggets there so. We'll close it. I, I'd love to close it by asking all of y'all to please turn in your handwriting. No, I'm just kidding. But no, it, would, it would make me, I, you know, I'm not kidding. <laughs> I would be so happy if you all sent in pictures of your handwriting in whatever language you are learning. Please do that to make my day. You're welcome. welcome. And thank you. <laughs> please do that to make Fabi's day. Please. We ask you. So, Fabi, I would say that you will be responsible if somehow I get a bunch of random emails with people 
with like people's handwriting. Yes. Hey, you know what? This is going to be your uh, writing prompt. Write whatever you want in your target language, but it has to be handwritten so I can have fun looking at it. Yes. Like, actually, if you want, you can submit stuff for us to have a look at and correct it. Since we speak so many languages, it's kind of like, well, why not? Homework. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. If anyone wants me to correct their English or Spanish, send it over. Yeah. Same here. Uh, yeah. So we can close it here. Uh, it sounds like it was it went better than what it was expected. It's writing. Good job. So, yeah. Thank you so much for staying with us. Again, don't forget to send all of your questions. Don't forget to send your handwriting so Fabi gets to be happy and excited for our next episode. And have a great day. See ya. Bye.